Welcome to Culture Bites, where we take culture theory and turn it into everyday insights. We're powered by Human Synergistics, and our mission is to change the world one organization at a time. We can only do that together with our amazing community, so thank you for listening. Welcome to Culture Bites. Before we start today's show, I just want to let you know that we're going to be running some big conferences in Australia and New Zealand in September this year. It would be amazing if you came along. They're always fantastic events where we look at leadership and we look at culture. It's a real highlight of the year for us and for our community. And you're part of that community, so we'd love you to come along. If you're in Melbourne on September 5th or Sydney September 13th, we'll be running it there. We've also got another conference in New Zealand, which will be in Christchurch on the 18th of September, Wellington on the 19th, and Auckland on the 21st. There's links to register in the show notes for this show. So if you look in your, your podcast app, there'll be a link there. Otherwise, give us a Google or look us up on the website. And with that, let's get into today's episode. Thanks for joining me. Pleasure. So on the last podcast, we were talking around teams and, mm. and really how to work with teams and help them have the conversations that matter. And at the end of it, we kind of left off talking about how there's this trend towards you know teams of teams and agile teams and lots of stuff about teams, but how it's all built on the assumption that teams work. So I guess what I'm interested in understanding from you is, do teams work? And if they are or if they aren't, what what can they do about that? Yeah, it's a good question. I think that teams do work. And, you know, if you looked up, if you Googled inspirational quotes on teamwork, you'll come up with, I think over 12 million was my last count that I saw. And we have a desire to want to work into teams. So organisations across sectors do a lot of work in teams. Do they work? Sometimes, sometimes they work. And Mm. um, there's some research that um, was done by Ruth Wagner and Richard Hagman and a couple of other researchers where they looked at more than 120 lead teams across different companies and different countries. And one of the things that they found was that the work that's going to be done has got to be suited to being done by a team and not all work is suited or suitable for a team to do it. So, for example, a highly proceduralized or routine work isn't necessarily going to lend itself mm. to teamwork. And so they had some really interesting stats where in the sample that they had of 120 teams, it was something like you had a five-in-one chance of being a high-performance team. So, you know, less than 20% chance of being a high-performing okay, team. Okay, so only one in five teams are actually... Effective. Effective, gotcha. Yeah. Yep. And their effectiveness... It's, it's very low. Mm. And their effectiveness measures were around being perceived as having achieved or exceeded the team's objectives, internal and external s- stakeholders, that the team helped each other develop mm. and that it was a seen as a positive experience. So there was a kind of task and people basis for effectiveness. So that was a pretty incredible stat. And my experience has been talking to loads of leaders and practitioners over the years is that I think we do have this desire, this innate belief that teams are the best way of getting things done. My learning has been that leaders and practitioners need to think about the work that is going to be done and whether it lends itself to being done by a team. Now, there are three 
essential elements of a real team. Okay, what are those? One is that it's doing real work and that there's a level of interconnectedness between in doing the, getting the work done. What do you mean by, by that, by interconnectedness? So it's about the interdependencies. So right. a real team needs each other to achieve the goal. And the example that I typically bring in, and I never thought that I would give examples of sport analogies because, I'm, <laughs> frankly, I'm not the greatest sports person, but I'll give you two types of examples. One is, so I think one of the decisions, if I, let me frame it, I think that, you know, do you need a group of individuals, a team of champions mm. versus a champion team? Uh-huh. Okay, so a group of individuals, highly skilled, loosely brought under the same banner, like a cricket team. Okay. Now right. a cricket team, for example, they're a team, but it relies on moments of individual brilliance. Right. There's two batsmen skill. out there at Correct. any one time. Yeah. Yep. And there's bowl, one, you know, bowler. one bowler. Yep. So they're a group of individuals and moments of individual brilliance. And if you have enough of those, the team can win. Okay. As a cricket team, a group, uh-huh. team of individuals, team of champions. On the other side, you've got, say, a soccer team, given that we've just had the, the World, World Cup. Cup. Each player has a position and it's geared towards either attacking or defending. Oh. But you can't do it on your own. You can't score the goal without a number of people, the cohesion of everybody playing their position, the right time, right place, right way. I've actually heard it referred to, I think it was on a Malcolm Gladwell podcast or something, I heard him talking about how football was a weak link sport. And so it's about having, well, it's about the weakest link in the team is what, how fast you can move basically because to score a goal in football, you have to make 15 passes or something yeah. on average before yeah. you get there. So if any of those links break down, then you've missed your opportunity. Correct. Whereas he talked about basketball, but it'd be the same in cricket, whereas it's a strong link game. So really it can rely on a few superstars and because in basketball, it's easy to get the ball to them, relatively easy compared to football, that they can then kind of dominate more. Yeah, totally. And, and that's the idea is that, you know, in a team, when you succeed, I succeed. Uh, if that's none, still true of cricket, right? I mean... Yeah, it is true. Like, but it's a group, a team of individuals. Uh, and the, the definer for me, if I use a different analogy to make the same point, is the lead singer in a band. Uh, okay, now a lead singer could sing without the band and still entertain uh-huh. the group because they could sing a cappella, you know, and uh-huh. people are there to hear their voice, hear them use their voice. The band could probably perform without the lead singer, but they need to be in time with one another for right. it to be entertaining. So one of the differences, and there's no judgment. The original questions was do teams work? Yes, they do, and they work particularly well a team works well when their work requires them to deliver something together, to problem solve together. And so I think fundamentally the, the biggest issues with team happen in the dynamics, in the ability to build trust, it build trust in order to have some courageous conversations and to master conflict. However, that said, I would also suggest that sometimes I've seen the dynamics become a problem because the work is not clear Mm. and because 
the parameters of each person's role is not clear because we've tried to bring a group of 10 people together and call them a team when they actually don't need each other to do their job. And that feels really common, actually, in, in business, particularly, that because everyone's in a team, yep. right? And often it's just a loose connection of people who report to the same manager. Correct. And they have similar jobs or something, but they may or may not work together. And you know, I was thinking even now in our own context between the closely interrelated tasks and stuff, we hold our annual conference every year. Yep. Tickets are available. <laughs> Actually, just registration. It's free. It's, it's free. free. You don't even need a <laughs> ticket, which is an awesome event. And we event manage it ourselves. And on the day, right, we have all the staff helping out. People are handing out bags. Other people are showing people to their seats. Other people are helping with the speakers, doing the the slideshow and sound and all that kind of stuff. It's a great example. And we have a briefing. We have a have team a briefing. briefing in the morning and everybody knows their job. And it's much more like that football team, right? Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to welcome someone then pass them off to you to do their name tag <laughs> and this person to give them a bag. You know, it's that kind of, is there a thing about that? It's kind of the simultaneousness of it, like they're happening at the same time. Yeah, I think that the, the magic about teams, which is why we ought to persist with helping them work, is that there is such a thing as group flow. So mm. there is such a thing as synergy. So where the whole, when it works together, and it's a beautiful thing, where the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. Mm. And there is a switch that seems to get flicked between from I to we. And so when people are clear about their role and they're performing at the level that they ought to or need to be performing their role and they're working together and they're collaborating and there's, you know, output or a product or something that emerges from that collaboration, which is infinitely bigger and better and brighter and more effective than either of us could have achieved on our own. I think this is why we pursue teams and I think the other thing that teams give us the opportunity to do is to multiply the effect of individual diverse talents. Yeah, so it's a force multiplier. Correct, you know. And so I think in the world that we live in today, things change so quickly. You know, technology has meant that we've got 24-7, you know, workplaces often. Emails. Emails, et cetera. And we've got context changing so rapidly that the days of the hero individual or the one leader being able to cross, get across everything, uh, uh, dead if, you know, if not nearly dead. And so we need a whole lot more collaboration. So I think the sobering question for me is, is the collaboration of a group of individuals or is it the collaboration of a team? And if it's a group of individuals, that's okay. We've just got to work out how do they come together when they need to. So it's not making group enemy of team. And I think in executive teams, I often ask exec teams, are you a team of champions or a champion team? And it's a bit of a loaded question because I think they always invariably say, oh, we need to be a champion team. But in my view, an executive team particularly, you need to do both, but you need to understand when to be. And the difference between that is when do we need to come together to problem solve and make decisions collaboratively, team of champions? And when is the decision my decision because I'm the head of function or I'm the the expert? expert. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
when is it that you need to trust me to take this decision? And so the clarity in the exec team is not whether we're one or the other, but you're doing both. You just need to be clear in the team with everybody around when you do one versus when you do the other. So a really interesting question I've heard people ask to executive teams, and I think it plays into this is, which team are you on, Mm. right? And that's another one of these loaded questions, right? Because invariably you say, oh, you know, what team are you? People say, well, I'm the head of finance. I'm the head of IT. I'm the head of, you know, marketing and sales. I'm the head of HR, whatever it is, right? And it says, then you ask the CEO, what team are you on? He says, the leadership team. (laughs) Who's in your team then? Because everyone just said they're in different teams. And there's a lot of, um, you know, and that came from some of um, Patrick Lencioni's work and There's been a lot of controversy. I work with a lot of leaders who find that difficult, you Mm. know, they because if you ask them which is the team that they identify with, they identify with their functional team Mm. more so than their peer group or the leadership team. And the view is that your leadership team, if you're on a leadership team, that needs to be your first team. It doesn't mean that you can't be perform a leadership team for the people who report to you, but it means that your number one sort of loyalty and focus does need to be with the leadership team because ultimately at an exec team, you are charged with looking after the enterprise Uh over and above actually looking after your function. That would be, you know, the school of thought. And I think I was challenged by it as well and I wasn't sure that I aligned with it, but now having worked with teams and executive teams, I do see that when execs are more aligned with their functional area, that it does cause problems for achieving an enterprise level outcome. And I think that's it because ultimately it comes back to the objective, right? And the objective of any leadership team should be what's in the best interest of this organization at a leadership level. That's what it should be. Yeah. Right? Yeah. At a functional level, that may mean that customer service has to sacrifice something for sales or sales have to sacrifice something for operations or whatever that is, that trade-off. Yeah. But you can only do that See, if, if you're stuck in your functional view and you, I mean, that's where silos start building from, right? It's Correct. when the leader is yeah, totally. stuck in their world. Yeah. They get away from, okay, what's actually in the best interest of the overall team, the leadership team in the organization. Yeah. And that we're working towards that. And that's exactly right. And I, I've got to say, working at a cultural level, when you go into organizations, and it's very common to hear organizations say that we're working in silos, we've got to work collaboratively. So I think it's probably one of the most common things that uh-huh. we hear. And I will, I've come to the conclusion, I'm trying to decide if I'm going to put my house on it. But <laughs> I Do it. look, most of the time, when there are silos in the organization, you can trace it back to a lack of alignment at the exec team. Mm-hmm. And it just kicks down to the point where how things get executed, how that lack of alignment and even internal competition at an exec team level, how that translates downwards is silos, competing priorities, withholding of cooperation. Mm-hmm. And which ultimately leads to slower deliverables, things take longer, and, you know, the organisation can't do what it's it's been there to do. Yeah, Yeah, it is a turf battle, and I think people take their lead from their leaders. You know what it reminds me of, actually? You know, it's famous in governments, right? Like with a parliamentary system like we have, that 
you know, in theory, at least, the ministers come together, right? And they'll thrash out a debate about whatever the issue is. Mm. And someone may be of a wildly different opinion mm. and so on. But when they leave that room, they represent, they have one voice, yeah. right? So you don't come out and say, well, I disagree with everyone else in the room. It the, does happen sometimes. It, it does, <laughs> but in theory, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so the idea is that mm. they thrash it out in private, mm. but when they present it, they have a united voice mm. to the rest of the party and to the population or whatever. But in a business context, it would be in the leadership team, we can thrash out these things. Yeah. But when the decision's reached, we actually come out as the leadership team. Correct. With a united message. I think so. And I think it's, you know, in this day and age, executive teams really have to be in lockstep with each other. That's what alignment means. There's no daylight between you and I. And that means that I have to understand at an executive team that my primary role is to support the health of the overall organisation, even if it means that my area needs to take a cut or needs to give something up. And this is what happens is when that doesn't occur at an executive team, you get slow decision making, you get multiple priorities that aren't priorities at all. They're just a laundry list of everything that we've got to get done. And there's no clarity for the people reporting to them. The other thing that happens then is that I've found in organisations where there's not alignment at the executive level, you get the silo effect. But also you get a lot of issues that ought to be handled at a lower level get escalated because of the internal competition. And so that means that you have your senior leaders or your exec leaders being brought down into a level of minutiae or detail, operational detail that is below where they need to be operating optimally for the, the team. So I think, you know, it's really important. Teams do work. You need to be clear about which bit of your work requires alignment, problem solving, collective decision making, and you need to be clear about which parts of the work and and get agreement around which parts of the work and decisions that you can make on your own at the exec level. Because if that isn't clear and if execs aren't aligned and aren't publicly aligned, well, the other thing that happens is that They'll be publicly aligned on a roadshow, but their teams know that their leader right. has not, does not believe in that view. And it just causes a lot of negative and defensive dynamics and, and culture. So I think, yeah, teams work, they are important. We've got to be clear about the work, the priorities, who does what. And we've got to have a language for negotiating difference. So what do you mean by that? A language. It's a bit of what we were saying the last show, Dom. It's a bit about instead of walking away from potential conflict, avoiding it, or trying to crash over someone, make them, badger Uh them into agreeing, we need to have a way of talking about that difference and challenging each other in a constructive way. So the language around that is looking at what goal do we share Where is the common ground rather than looking at the difference? And I think, you know, what separates us is often what gets the airtime when teams don't work so well and the preparedness of individual team members to not just influence each other but to be prepared to be influenced. And one of the things that I think influence has come to mean I'm going to sell you 
my view. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And yeah. and so we go oh, influencing skills and we make it about convincing you of All my right. view. <laughs> now, the greatest influences aren't about trying to convince you of my view. The greatest influences are prepared to be influenced. They're prepared to be changed and can have a conversation where there's much more freedom. And so often what happens, it's not your way or my way. It might be a third way. So I think we've got to get away from influencing being a selling technique and much more around a two-way street where I'm going to listen to you, listen to me, let's look at where the shared common ground is rather than looking at what separates us. And the way to help us do that is to go up a level and think about what is it that we share in terms of a goal and an outcome. Fantastic. And I think that's that's a big part and maybe something we can even pick up on the next episode is really jumping into how to break down those silos because it's such a big issue in so many companies yeah so how do we how do we bust silos so i'd love to jump into that okay kind of in deep detail for the next one thanks for your time today though corinne pleasure dom and i'll see you on the next episode you will hi me again just before you go don't forget to sign up for our leadership and culture conferences this september we'll be in melbourne september 5th sydney september 13th and we also have events in new zealand so if you're in christchurch on the 18th of september Wellington on the 19th or Auckland on the 21st. Make sure you sign up. There's a link below. It'd be awesome to see you there.